0: Hey everyone and welcome to Church at Home with Riverside Online. If you regularly do church at home with us, we want to urge you to carry on pressing into that. We do look forward to the day when we can gather together again on Sundays and in our homes. But we are still a church now, so be encouraged. If this is your first time that you are joining us online, please use our connect link on our website so that we can be in touch with you personally. Today, we're going to be hearing from Craig as we continue in our Live Upside Down series, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. But before that, Craig's going to update us with all the ways that we as a church have been able to make a difference in our community during this time. Hello, everyone.
1: My name is Craig. One of the things that I do here at Riverside Community Church is head up Branch Out. Branch Out is our social justice arm of our church. It's where we engage and take uh, the gospel and the hope of Jesus outside um, of our church and engage directly into our community. We have enjoyed the most incredible time serving the informal settlement of Jackson's Drift. I want to say thank you so much to everybody who has participated in giving towards our relief efforts to those who are really battling because they've lost their income due to COVID-19. We have put together uh, nearly 500 food packs that can feed a family for a week. It's just been a joy to be uh, collecting and handing those out and blessing families in our community. Above that, we have been supporting a creche that feeds children and the rice and lentil mixes that have been put together by Riversiders have fed nearly 2,000 children during this season. I'm really thankful that we have been able to be a part of that. If you want to be involved in that, please want to email the church or follow the links on our uh, front page of our website where you could get hold of me for more information. And also just want to give you a quick update on where Branch Out is at at the moment. We're in the process of registering Branch Out as a non-profit company. See, the church is so generous in what it gives and enables us to do in our community. But we need a vehicle that can raise more money to be more effective in the incredible needs that we see around us. So moving branch out into a nonprofit company is going to enable us uh, to do that and issue 18A uh, tax certificates and raise more finances so that we can serve those who are desperately desperate need in our community. We're also in the process of finalising a first language Zulu Alpha course, which we're going to be running in the informal settlement of Jackson's Drift. And a quick snapshot to uh, August, where we're going to be launching a new campaign, where we're also going to be uh, doing a work and, and looking at sustainable vegetable gardens and bringing sustainable food security to some of the households in that community. If you want any more information, or if you'd love to be involved in anything that we're doing, Please contact me. Thank you. My wife, Inez, cooks breakfast for us as a family every single day. It's really a treat to uh, get up and know that she's cooked breakfast, but uh, two to three times a week, she cooks oats. Now, that might not seem like a big deal for you, but I dislike oats really when I get down at the table and uh, I see uh, what's for breakfast uh, I start to eat it with long teeth now I love food there's many things I love to eat but oats is something that I just struggle to get down and having small kids at the table I just have to put on a brave face and chew through it uh, and get it down now I know it's good for me I know the benefits of having uh, some nice steel cuts oats in the morning for breakfast but I battle to eat it. I often find that scripture is exactly the same. See some scriptures is just so easy to read. We get to this passage and it's a joy it's a feast we just get to read it over and over and over again and each time we do it it gives us just so much joy it nourishes us so much it's easy to get through. But then I find there's some scriptures that are like a bowl of oats for me. It's just hard to get through. When I, I come across it, I go like, oh man, not this passage. And I know they're harder. Uh, they expose more in me. And I don't always like uh, to dig into these passages. Today's passage is like that. You're going to see now as we read it what I mean. And so as you're taking part in church online, why don't you grab a Bible And read with me in Matthew chapter 6 we're doing a series called Living Upside Down it's a Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching uh, his followers and this is what it says so Matthew chapter 6 verse 16 when you fast stop there this is what I mean man when I hear that I just want to immediately kind of like shut down and cringe because there's just something about this that I just like, oh, not again. You know, as Christians, we don't always like to get asked some of these questions like, where are you reading in your Bible? How is your prayer life going? Are you giving? You know, do you fast? And some of these disciplines are hard. And we don't like to hear about them. We don't like to read about them because we realize that sometimes what we see in Scripture doesn't match up with our lives. I'm going to be honest with you. I battle with fasting. I get hangry. I get grumpy. When my family knows that I'm embarking on a time of fasting, everybody gets a little bit nervous because of how hard I find it. And I'm sure it is the same for you. It's just one of those habits that those of us who follow Jesus just generally struggle with. It's not something that we look forward to because it is tough. But Jesus is going to have some words for us today. And it's going to encourage us. And my prayer for us during this church online session is that by the end of it we're going to be incredibly encouraged by the words of Jesus and think very differently around a spiritual discipline and particularly the spiritual discipline of fasting. So let's go back and read the whole uh, section of Jesus' teaching on fasting. So he says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their face uh, to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth they have received their reward in full but when you fast put oil on your head wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father uh, who sees what is done in secret will reward you so what i love so much about what's happening in the sermon on the mount with What Jesus is teaching is again, he's flipping everything upside down and he is exposing our hearts. And so we see straight away in this passage, like what Steve did in last week's online session, is Jesus exposes uh, two types of people. The first one is the external religion, what Jesus calls here the hypocrites in some places he calls them the pharisees people who externally show a behavior but it isn't from the heart so that is personal type number one and type number two is the person who internally understands the heart of god and fasts for jesus alone so that leads us to uh the first question that i want to pose to you why do we do the things that we do when it comes to the christian life and it comes to our behavior what motivates us to do the things that we do jesus is concerned about our hearts and he brings this up time and time again that he's going to say, if you act a certain way, that's exposing your heart. You're a hypocrite. Uh, that's false religion. And we know Jesus has very strong words uh, to people who behave like that. Jesus is concerned with our heart. He is concerned with our motivations and what motivates us. And so the first thing to think through is this statement. Why do we do what we do? And I really want to dig into that a little bit. Uh, Today, something else to think through is what did Jesus mean by fasting? See, he starts off by when you fast. So, the people hearing Jesus' teaching, what would they have understood? What were they? What were their normal experiences around fasting? And so, for that, I want to go and look at three passages in the Old Testament. We're going to skim through them quite briefly, but what it's going to do is kind of show us. A little bit about the practice of fasting for God's people. And so the first one is going to be Nehemiah chapter 9 and from verse 1. And it simply reads as this. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting, wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law for uh, the book of the law of their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and worshipping their God. I love the picture that it paints for us here because here you've got a whole nation who has gathered together and is fasting in repentance of their sin. You see, their behavior here is in direct response to the nature and the character of God. They have realized that their actions does not match up with who God is and His character. So when they realize that, they respond in a very specific way. The way they do it is by going without food and water, humbling themselves, confessing their sin, reading scripture and worshiping. Beautiful picture of a whole nation responding very specifically to who God is. The book of Esther, again in the Old Testament, gives us a picture of something like that as well. The nation of Israel, the the Jewish people are under huge threat. And so what they do is they respond by having a fast. They fast and they pray what's so significant about that is they also act with huge faith. So their behavior is informed by the nature and character of God. They trust Him. They come before Him. They give up food and water. They spend the day praying and seeking the Lord and step out in faith. They know God is going to act on their behalf. And another one is Isaiah chapter 58. Now, I'm going to read uh, nine verses from Isaiah 58. And this is an incredible passage. One that speaks so much into the heart of God when it comes to fasting. Here's what it says from verse 1. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. Their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins for day after day they seek me out they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God they ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them we have fasted they say and have you not seen it why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood see then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the lord will be your rear god then you will call and the lord will answer you will cry for help and he will say here i am Now, this is a a heavy passage and uh, we've read a lot of it. And uh, unfortunately, we can't uh, dive too deeply in it. But just to make clear, the writer, the prophet Isaiah is not slamming fasting. He's not saying throw fasting right out the window completely. What he's drawing our attention to is the same thing that Jesus was doing. Why do we do what we do? What are our motivations for fasting? is it so that people see us is it so people can go wow look how religious you are look how disciplined you are look how devoted you are to the ways of the Lord or is it an internal motivation that doesn't care what people see that doesn't care that people know or don't know what we're doing in private, but is only concerned about our hearts matching up and lining up with the hearts of the Father. This is what Isaiah is saying here in this passage in Isaiah 58. See, I can go and do a fast for one day, three days, five days, seven days, and at the end of it, through great self-discipline and efforts, gone without food for that time period. I can even be earnest and bring some things up to the Lord, and I can pray and say, "God, I need help on this. I need this decision. My family's struggling. My business is struggling. God, I need you to intervene for my marriage or my kids." You, you can be earnest in that, but the greater caution is, is it's even a waste of time if after that our lives are not changing and being conformed into the likeness of our Savior Jesus. See, the writer's are showing the heart of God here. There is no point to fasting if our lives are not changing and lining up with the heart of God. There's no point to doing any of this kind of spiritual devotion if we're doing it only for an outward result. See, if I fast, but then I don't treat my wife well, what's the point of fasting? That if I go and spend a day that I'm giving to the Lord by going without food and praying, but I don't pay my staff a fair wage or salary. goes to the point of saying if people are suffering an injustice, if people are being oppressed, and that is a reality for many people in our country, that if we aren't concerned about those and engaging in those, there is no value to our fasting. God does not hear us. This so, is so why I say true fasting is when our lives are lining up with God's heart and the words that He has revealed to us in Scripture. That when we are matching all of that, that's when the promise coming at the back end of Isaiah 58 is going to come out. Then God hears us. Then he acts. This is that's when you call and I say, Here I am. That's when our motivations are out of who God is. I want to be near to my almighty savior, Jesus. And so I humble myself, I fast, I pray, and I line up with him. But then my actions match his words. I'll say, Craig, sure, that's hard. That's really hard to hear because I'm nowhere near that in my faith. I want to say to you that that's okay. Because the question is, why do I do what I do? I'm not calling us to be super Christians overnight. What I am asking us to do in light of the words of scripture is to look deeply inward and to ask the hard questions. Why do I do what I do? And here's another thing. Jesus mentions two types of people. The one that's external, that's out there looking somber, looking for attention, uh, making sure people know that they're fasting, they're getting their reward right then and there. But the other one is private, it's internal, it's unseen by people and only seen by the Father, which generates the reward. The reward is the Father sees you, it's personal. Now, something that I've loved that this season has brought about is that it has uh, made me and many other people realize the value of who am I alone in my faith? What I mean by this is that because of the restrictions, we've been stripped of so much of our corporateness as Christians. Now, the trap that people fall into with our corporate Christianity, which I value, and obviously Scripture values, we must meet together. But we often fall into the corporate behavior. So I worship when I worship with other people. I listen to preaching when I listen with other people. I'll maybe pray in a life group setting or a church when I'm with other people. And what I found is that many individuals haven't developed a thriving, abiding, devotional relationship with the Father where they're alone. What I mean by alone is when you are withdrawn from everyone else. Who are you with Jesus with no one else around you on a regular basis? Where we have to do this by ourselves. Again, that's the motivation. Who am I? Well, i'm a follower of jesus christ so why do i do what i do well i have this incredible savior jesus christ who humbled himself and became a man dwelt amongst us lived the perfect life the life that i could never live and then died the death that i deserved so that i could know the righteousness of god and be reconciled to the father and become an adopted son and be in consistent relationship with him steve in our last online session in the lord's prayer said we call uh, god abba that's father what jesus has secured for me is an intimate personal relationship with jesus and so because of that i've got mechanisms which enable me to thrive in that relationship and because jesus sent the holy spirit uh, and the holy spirit is transforming me more and more into the likeness of jesus i can use these mechanisms these disciplines like prayer and in this week fasting to actually match this that it doesn't matter if you've been a believer for 20 years 10 years one month that you can go and you can pray you can fast you can humble yourself seek the lord and line up with him and see that your actions start to be transformed into what we see in scripture that we're living it It starts internally so i really want to encourage us with that today now how do we start to get practical about these things so I recently read a blog post by uh, a Christian uh, author and pastor called Tim Chalice. And he outlines six uh, really concrete thoughts to help us think about fasting. And so taking through the words of Jesus, looking at some of those Old Testament motivations for fasting, and now he's concerned about our hearts, and ultimately we want to be motivated by who he is. And what he has done to seek him more and to have our lives match up with what we see and read and know about our Savior. So, as you're considering this discipline of fasting, as you've been hearing this online session, here are some six concrete thoughts to think about as you uh, process this. And the first one is this. We fast freely. We are not bound by anything that forces us to fast. There's no prescribed time of the year. There's no time of the week or time of the day or anything like that uh, that prescribes how we should fast. We're under the new covenant. It is by grace. And so we do it freely out of who he is. That is motivation when it comes to fasting there's no right way or wrong way to do it there's no uh, specific length of time there's no right length of time there's no wrong length of time we are free in the way that we approach seeking the lord number two is we fast humbly again uh, we take this directly from the words of jesus in matthew chapter 6 we look normal We make sure we look normal. You said wash your face, put oil on your hair, go out to make sure that you don't draw attention to what's happening uh, in your private spiritual life as you are earnestly seeking the Lord. But humbly, inwardly, you are submitting yourself. There's that posture of humility as I'm on my knees. I'm on my face before the Lord, trying to seek him and push into my faith and into my relationship with the Lord. As I'm opening up my heart and my ears to hear from him, as I do the hard work with God, uh, molding myself and lining myself up with him. See, the proper motivation behind our fasting is to have God as our reward rather than human approval. Number three is we fast seriously. Biblical fasting is not medical fasting. We're not fasting to lose weight. The reason we fast is because we are wanting to uh, seek the Lord in a greater way. I love this quote by Tim Chalice. He says this, Bodily speaking, prepare yourself for a fast the night before with enough rest, food and water so that you will have strength to endure a fast. Spiritually speaking, set your mind upon the goal of your fast, seeking the Lord's help for the matter by which or for which you are fasting. Right? Fasting, we do it seriously. We are seeking the Lord in a greater way. And so we do that by preparing ourselves for that. Number four is we fast evangelically. Now, I want to just um, qualify this uh, because we're under grace Uh, We live in a time with Jesus having died on the cross in our place for our sins and has risen again in victory. And so that is the space that we find ourselves living in. And because of that, we again are free to engage in the work of Growing and enjoying our relationship with Jesus. And so we have a Christ-centered view of fasting. It's for me to engage and enjoy my relationship with Jesus. No other reason. And so obviously I'm seeking the Lord. um, I'm bringing things before Him. But it's based on the work of Jesus and what He has done as my motivation to enjoy that relationship to its fullest. And then number five... Is we fast earnestly. Again, this is uh, coming out of the previous points of being gospel centered or, or Christ centered. Just because we live in the victory of Jesus Christ over our greatest enemies of, of sin, shame, and death, we don't have a relaxed approach to spiritual disciplines. We have an earnest approach to them. We seek the Lord earnestly with a true motivation that I want to be uh, found in Christ alone, that I want to abide in him. I want to be hearing and obeying. I want the Lord speaking to me. i want him to be weeding out everything in my life that he doesn't enjoy, that doesn't match up with his heart. So where I'm failing as a husband or failing as a father, and, and I'm seeking the Lord on those things, I want to be earnest in hearing and reading and obeying and fasting helps with that. And then number six is we fast prayerfully. So fasting, if it's not done prayerfully, you're wasting your time. See, fasting is an outward act of an inward aspect. See, uh, and again, I just love, again, quoting Tim Chalice. This says, fasting is an aid and a help to pray. Fasting by itself is not good work. It's what we call an indifferent matter. Fasting is only a good work when it is linked with and to the purpose of prayer. This means that whether or not we fast, we can still pray. But if we do not pray, fasting is futile. And so here, I want to encourage you that if you find the discipline of fasting hard, at least still be praying. Fasting is a vehicle to really ramp up your time of prayer. It's a time where you remove distractions. It causes us uh, to uh, humble ourselves, as mentioned, to be before the Lord so that our lives match up with the heart of the Father. That's what we are wanting as believers. Again, it doesn't matter how long we've been a believer. All of us can be asking the questions of what motivates me. Why do I do what I do? Who am I with no one else around me? What what does that relationship with the Father look like? And I'm so thankful that we have the vehicle of fasting, which is an incredible aid to us to withdraw, to be alone with the Father, humbling ourselves in prayer, seeking Him in greater ways. And so... I want to encourage you to think and be encouraged about this. The purpose of this is so that we can be thriving in our relationship with the Lord. We have everything available to us to make sure that we are engaging and thriving and enjoying to the fullest our relationship with the Father. Now that you've heard the online session, I really want to encourage you to take some time and to pray together. If it's just you by yourself or with your family and use uh, these prompts uh, to guide your time of prayer.
0: Thank you for joining us this week if you found this message helpful in any way how about sharing the link to the message with your family and friends please also stay connected with us on our various social media platforms and our church app have a great week